Welcome back to the podcast. End of the week of March 27th, 2022, the fourth Sunday in Lent. And we are starting in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And I am reading out of the Common English Bible. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon after, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he'd used up all of his resources, a severe food shortage arose across the country, and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens in that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hands have more than enough food, and I'm starving to death? I will get up and I'll go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. And then his son said, Father, I have sinned against you and heaven. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting, because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field coming in, From the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. When the older older son was furious and didn't want to enter in and the father came out and begged him, he answered his father, look, I've served you all of these years. I never disobeyed your instruction, yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has returned after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then the father said, Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. The word of the Lord. All right. Well, I... I love this story. There's so many different ways that you can you can talk and look about this story. This week, we're going to look at this parable through the lens of an interpretation that I first heard from Kester Bruin, and it sees this story not as a story of love and redemption, but actually as a tragedy. And if you were with us on Sunday or you listened to the podcast last week, you might remember uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 13 repeats this word, repent, twice change your way of thinking, change your way of, change your hearts and lives. And as we look at this uh, interpretation of this text as a tragedy, it's important I want us to keep in mind uh, this idea of changing our hearts and lives, uh, repent, changing our way of thinking as we approach this story. So in 1990, Chris McCandless graduated from Emory University in Georgia, majoring in history and anthropology. And after he graduated, he decided to reject the safety and security of his family's money and the awaiting job market, and he gave away his $24,000 in savings to charity, 
abandoned his car and set out to live simply and deeply um, away from the trappings of his family. And if you read uh, John Krakauer's book or you've seen the movie Into the Wild, you know that uh, Chris McCandless eventually hitchhikes to Alaska in 1992 and, and ends up dying due to a, an accidental poisoning. And before he passed, he took a picture of himself waving and holding a handwritten note that says, I've had a happy life and thank the Lord. Goodbye and may God bless all. And I want to start our conversation on the prodigal son here because Chris follows the archetype of the prodigal son, the family empire that educated him, set him up for the American dream, was not the life that he wanted. And he couldn't be true to himself by taking a nine-to-five desk job. And so he, he leaves his family wealth to experience life in its raw essence, living day by day. And of course, there are many ways to read the parable of the prodigal son. And the conventional reading popularized by Henry Nouwen tells the story of a son who spoils his family inheritance on wild living, uh, but despite his rebellion, returns to find the loving presence of a father welcoming him home. But I want to say that there's a more helpful interpretation for us, and I think one that fits the context of the Gospel of Luke better. Just to review, Luke's Gospel, we know, is, is broadly a critique of the economic disparity between the rich and the poor. And we often mention at Mission Hills how the context of the stories and parables in this case in the Gospels matters. So the pair of the prodigal, or what is sometimes called the, the lost son, comes after the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep. And it's interesting to note that both of these stories, uh, the protagonists search out the lost items. You'll probably remember the story of the person who leaves his sheep to search for the 99, or the parable of the woman who tears apart her house to find the lost coin. And we notice that in the story of the prodigal, the father doesn't go out and search for his son at all, but is passive and waiting at home. So it's important to just notice that because it breaks Luke's previous literary pattern of the protagonist searching out the lost item. Like McCandless, our parable centers on a young man who is desiring to escape the blockage of his family's wealth. And it's fair to say that young family has accumulated a significant amount of wealth since uh, even after he takes his inheritance, we know that they still have land, servants, livestock. Uh, but the young son does the unspeakable. He asks for his half of the inheritance, a demand that would have been an offensive gesture to the father, to be sure, and one that effectively wished his father were dead. And... Perhaps the son realizes that this wealth that is bound up in the uh, family empire is not meant to stay trapped in barns, something that Jesus warned against three chapters previously to the, in the parable of the rich fool. But whatever the motivations for the young son are for leaving, he decides that a life of privilege, comfort, and safety is not what he wants. The younger son has a different vision for the possibility of his life. So in keeping with the spirit of Luke's Jubilee, the young son plans for wealth that was previously blocked for only a few could be enjoyed by all. The story of, of course, is, is told from the perspective of the father, and father considers this wild living. Uh, the young son goes out, though, and he spends lavishly, and, and we know a famine hits the land, and the son is surrounded by hunger and deprivation, and his friends leave him high and dry, finds himself living among these pigs, 
hoping just to share the food that they eat. And his situation, of course, makes me think of all the ground that we've covered so far in the Gospel of Luke, and particularly the Beatitudes. Jesus saying, blessed are the poor and the abandoned. Another reminder that, that our protagonists throughout the Gospel of Luke are the down and out. So destitute, the young son, he comes up with a plan. Uh, he won't return to his life of wealth and privilege. He gave up that life. Uh, it was never the life that he wanted. Instead, his plan is he'll go back and he'll work honestly. He'll be a servant to the family. So he sets out on a journey home. And when he returns, the father is waiting, not searching like the previous parables, but waiting. And the young son has this speech all prepared. But the father doesn't even listen to the son. Before the son is finished telling a story and, and repenting, the father interrupts and calls for the trappings of wealth. Quickly, bring out the robe, bring, put it on him. Put, put, put the ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. This was the life of wealth and security the young son wanted no part of. His plans of returning home to make an honest living are snatched away as he suffocates under the symbols of wealth and oppression. Robe, ring, sandals. All stamped with the family seal. And I like, I like to think that the older son stands off on the side, indignant that his brother wasn't able to escape the life of their family's privilege and wealth. The younger son left the oppressive system of empire, hoping to live more freely and simply than he ever could under the watchful eye of his father, to live as a servant of all, not Lord. By widening the circle of generosity, never storing away treasures like his father. And I think this parable is a tragedy because the son returns home and absolutely nothing changes. There's no repentance of the system. The empire is conserved. Make me like a hired person. The father isn't listening. And in the end, they disappear into the celebration. The older son saunters off in anger, and the younger son head down, recognizes that he is bound once again by the trappings of the system he'd hoped to change. But our tragic story doesn't end there, because Luke tells the story of another prodigal. Jesus leaves his father in the heavenly realm to be born into poverty among animals in a manger. He lives a life of poverty, outcast. He too is accused of wild living, being a drunkard, running around with sinners and tax collectors, the very people Luke says Jesus is telling this prodigal parable to. And Jesus experiences oppression under the Roman Empire, preaches good news for the poor and imprisoned. And he's tempted to have the comforts and trappings of empire, but refuses. Instead, he shares food and finances. He touches the unclean. Like the prodigal, he tells other people to use their worldly wealth to make friends so that when it's gone, they can be welcomed into eternal homes. The wealthy and powerful despise Jesus because of his lifestyle and radical wild living. Eventually, he's tracked down by the governing officials and to be executed. And his father doesn't come searching for him either. 
He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And oddly, not by the, the wealth and power of empire, but in Jesus's poverty and obscurity, his love transforms those around him. And his announcement of liberation still calls and drives us forward deeper into our humanity, into the disregarded places and people in our world. Jesus and the prodigal remind us once again that we already have everything we need and we are already home. So as always, I look forward to our conversation on Sundays. And as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well. Dad.